You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message, recorded live from our Brighton campus. Well, it's great to be together tonight, and uh, we've been on a journey as a a church looking at a passage of scripture in uh, the book of Acts, and um, just as the food comes around to your table, uh, I just want to highlight this passage in particular. Does anyone remember the book of the Bible that we're looking at? Anyone? Remember the book of the Bible that we're looking at? There's a special prize for anyone who knows the book of the Bible that we're looking at. Acts! The prize is adoration. All right. We're looking at the book of Acts and uh, looking at the the early church. And, uh, you know, like a a baby, when, when the church was born... Um, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus uh, started the, the foundations of the church, we see um, this, this picture of what I believe the church should, should really be about. And uh, if, we, if you have your Bibles, if you want to look, um, or I'm just going to read the passage together, and it's Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, and it says this, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonderful, many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. You don't have any food, John. <laughs> All right. So here's here's a passage of scripture uh, that we looked at the last four weeks. We've looked at four different aspects. The very first week we looked at this this priority, and in fact, all of these four things were priorities that the church had. That um, where you could just say they were foundational things. One was to the they had a priority and dedication towards the apostles' teaching, which, in other words, was the word of God. They really they really focused in upon what. What was God's heart? What was His will? They, they wanted to know it. So they weren't just kind of airy-fairy people. They were people that wanted to be grounded in, into the Word. Um, Julian then shared the following week on fellowship. The, the sense of meeting together to be committed to one another. And one of the things you do see in this passage is the sense of community, don't you? Where they sold each other's... Well, they sold each other's. They sold their own things. It'd be easy to sell one another's things, right? <laughs> I'll sell your car and give it to me. No, they sold their, their possessions. There was needs. There was a sense of connection that they wanted to support one another and help one another in, a, in, their, in their challenges. And so there was a dedication to the fellowship. Kind of, I, I often think of that dedication to the fellowship of the ring. How many of you have seen Lord of the Rings? Yeah, some of you. Uh, this, this fellowship, the, the, it was a tight bond that they had. Uh, for one another. Then the following week, look at this dedication to prayer. They, 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 they prayed as they had learned from Jesus. And G, um, Julian had just unpackaged that Jesus taught them how to pray. And we see here the Lord's Prayer. And we looked at the Lord's Prayer as a model that no doubt they, they used as part of their reference because they would have looked to, they would look to Jesus as, as the one that they really learned to, learn from. And then last week, um, Chris, Unpackaged the, the breaking of bread and this fact of communion, remembering of Christ's sacrifice, but also they, they had a sacrifice of towards one another. And uh, really we see God's community in action 
where they, they gave and they, they broke bread and those who were hungry had something to eat when they joined together and there was a real sense of oneness. That at the door, and one of the things that was shared last week, that at the door into the kingdom of God, there's no longer class structure, but we're all one. Which is a phenomenal thing. It doesn't matter what country you come from. It doesn't matter what your, your economic status is or what your sexual orientation is. Actually, in the body of Christ, we're a one people. We're a one body. And that's one of those fantastic things that the breaking of bread, the sharing with one another, we saw last week. And so these four things the church was really dedicated towards. But there's also one last thing, one, the fifth element that I'm going to share today as we kind of wrap up this series. And uh, it was this, this element that everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. There was something supernatural happening in the church. And if we take the supernatural out of it, we've, if we take what Christ was doing by His Spirit, then it was just kind of a group of people doing something together, which is great unto itself, but there was something beyond just that. There was something powerful that the Lord was doing in their midst. If we could see signs and wonders right now, would you want to see it? Come on. I think all of us have a hunger for something that's beyond this realm, right? If I could do something that was really not humanly possible, I think you would be in awe and wonder at that. In fact, what we see at the beginning of Acts chapter 2 is Jesus had promised that they would receive a Holy Spirit. They would receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Holy Spirit, at this point, at the beginning of Acts 2, was given to the church, was given to everyone who believed. And uh, there was this kind of this radical experience. And if you read chapter 2, the very beginning of it, there was like uh, a wind blowing, there was tongues of fire, like tongues of fire resting on people's heads. People began to speak in other languages or in tongues that we see in the Bible. And uh, everyone in in Jerusalem at the time thought, what is going on? And... uh, Peter stands up and explains to everyone that what is happening right now is what was prophesied about, that the Holy Spirit would be given to everyone, this counselor, this power that God had promised through Jesus to the, to us as the church. And so here we have, from this point forward, the beginning of the church, really the birth of the church. And um, when we look at this aspect of power or supernatural, if God has started the church. Do you not think supernatural things should be part of it? Because God is supernatural. Would you, would you be in that agreement? It's more than just ritual. What we come together is more than just this. There's got to be something greater than this. Because community unto itself will fall. But when there's something supernatural, when God is at work, it's the Spirit of God that draws us together in a way that's, that's beyond reason, beyond our ability. And Jesus, when he was on the earth, he promised before, or not promised, he said, actually, for those who believe, for those who, who follow after me, these sorts of things are going to happen. Signs and wonders are going to happen. In fact, if you look in, in Mark 16, it says this is, go into all the world and preach the, the good news to all creation. Now, this is at the very end of Jesus' time on earth. He says, whoever believes in me, is uh, is baptized and will be saved. And whoever does not believe will be condemned. And then it goes on to this. says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. And they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. 
I'm always challenged when I look at this passage because it says, these signs will accompany those who believe. Full stop. And yet, the challenge when I look at the church today is, do these signs follow us who believe? Maybe we got one of the lists or we could do it, but do we see all of the lists happening in our lives? It says, these companies will, these signs will accompany those who believe. The church will have these kind of characteristics. And so actually what we see in, in Acts chapter 2, at the very end, what we just read, should really come as no surprise because Jesus said that's what would happen, right? So when they said they were filled with awe because of all this, the miraculous signs and wonders done by the apostles, is it a surprise that that had happened? Would you say? Jesus already said it was going to happen, right? He already said signs and wonders are going to be part of what those who believe in me, this is what it's going to look like because the Spirit is going to be there. It's part, why? Because it's part of the kingdom being established through the church. However, what I want to focus on tonight isn't so much the fact that there were signs and wonders, but what's interesting about this passage is this. As I read it and I meditated on it, is what it exactly said and how it contradicted to what Jesus said. There was a contradiction to what we did. I'm going to read it again, and you can see if you can pick up the contradiction. Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. Right? Da-da-da. Signs and wonders. And then this is what it says in verse 44. Or 45. Or 43. Sorry, 43. <laughs> I'll get it. Don't worry. Everyone was filled with awe, and many miraculous, uh, sorry, many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Where's the contradiction to what Jesus said and to what we see in the book of Acts? Who was doing the signs and wonders? What happened to everyone else? They were filled with awe. They were just filled with awe. I think, actually, that God wants us to be more than just filled with awe. But He wants us part of the game. We see here, many miraculous signs were done by the apostles. But there's a whole group of people, 3,000 people that got saved, had really kind of committed themselves to follow Jesus at the, on, on the, the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was given. But I, as I was meditating upon this, I, I believe there's a couple reason, couple reasons that would distinguish why the apostles were moving in signs and wonders and not other people. Okay? And I believe as we look at why this is, I think it starts to shine a light onto even us as to why maybe it doesn't happen in our lives. Um, first of all, the apostles were with Jesus for three and a half years. Were signs and wonders a normal thing with Jesus? Would you agree? When you look at the book of, or the, the gospels, you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see these people that were doing, uh, or sorry, you, you see Jesus who is, who is just going about his, his life, touching people, being the most obscure places, and people healed and set free, and demon possessed people released, and it's as if at that, when they were, when the disciples were living for three and a half years, there became a new norm. Would that be fair to say? They saw a new norm. They saw what the kingdom of God was actually really like. What Jesus was, was really capable of. And so they were exposed to day after day, Jesus healing people. Jesus setting people free. Dead people coming back to life. I think the disciples had this perspective after three and a half years that anything was possible with Jesus. Would you agree? I think they would have had this perspective that if you saw it, if you stayed with me for three and a half years and you saw me do those kind of things, I think you would have, your, your, your mind would change, your, your, your reality would change. Jesus 
raised the dead. He cast out demons. But then Jesus makes this audacious statement. He says this. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing, and he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Now, he says this to the disciples, but everyone else who was listening as well. He wasn't, he wasn't just talking to the apostles or the disciples at this time. He was talking to people. Anyone who believes in me will do even greater things than this. What Jesus saying is that I'm setting a benchmark of what normality is in the kingdom of God. This is what you should be expecting to see happen. You see the miracles I'm doing. You see all that's happening around me. But actually, that's just... That's normal because actually anyone who believes in me, you'll see even greater things happen in time to come. That I'm going to the Father, but I'm going to give you the Spirit. And through the Spirit, you are going to do even greater things than this. Isn't that awesome? Now the apostles were, were part of this three and a half year process of seeing what this difference was, was like. In fact, even Jesus sent them out on short-term mission trips with this authority and power. And they came back so surprised that even demon-possessed people, you know, they, the, the demons responded and there was a sense of authority that they had. They were shocked by it. But they had a taste. They had a taster of what was going to become. It's like their window had just been opened to something new and something great. So when the Holy Spirit was poured out, they were, had already an experience seeing the Holy Spirit in operation. So, can I say that again? When the Holy Spirit was poured out, they'd already seen what this looks like in operation through Jesus' life. And so they, they had a model to follow. They, they saw, actually, the Holy Spirit is given for everyday life, for signs and wonders, for the miraculous, because that's what the kingdom of God is about. That God is, is, is here to bring restoration to people's lives. It isn't just about having salvation but it's also about being made whole. It's about kind of coming to a place of healing and restoration and, and um, that all aspects of our lives, God makes new. And so that also led to this second part, which they had a greater understanding of the kingdom of God. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, everything had changed. The restoration of people's lives was now possible and uh, the apostles could now see that through Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit, anything was possible. What would it be like if you and I looked at the world in that perspective, that anything was possible through Jesus? I'm challenged by this kind of, these, these statements that we see in the Bible, because often I limit God, I think, to what I think could possibly happen, or what maybe my experience is. And yet, what we see here is there's a bigger picture that, that Jesus has given these guys that anything is possible. And I think at the point that the Holy Spirit came upon them, like the Holy Spirit was upon Jesus, they realized it's go time. There's something, we've got the same spirit that Jesus had. Right? Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit when he lived on this earth and ministered. But they now had the same access. They had seen it modeled. They seen it they had seen this reality that anything is possible. And so just to give a great example of this, if we keep reading in the passage in Acts chapter 3, so just the next kind of verse over, we see how in everyday life the apostles were doing it. So one day, Peter and John were, were going up to the temple at time for prayer, time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful 
for he was put every day to beg from those uh, going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them, um, asked, asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising, they recognized him as the man, the same man who used to sit begging at the temple court, uh, temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement. Here we have the same thing at what had happened to him. It's everyday life. He, Peter and John were walking in. Two guys were, or this guy was at the, the, the side of the gate and just begging for money, as you'd see, right? He'd been there every day. It was just a normal occasion. But something clicked in John and Peter's heart, thinking, you know what, this is a kingdom of God moment. And he said, hey, do you know what? We don't have any money. Look at, we don't have any pockets even with money in them. There's nothing here. But what we do have, we've got something we can give to you. You know, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. I'm challenged when I look at this because I think often we walk by people all the time with all sorts of needs. And do we have the audacious feeling that they actually, you know what? I, I don't have physically what you maybe are looking for, but I've got something greater that will answer everything you need. In the name of Jesus, here. Here you go. I'm going to bring the kingdom of God into your world, to your circumstance. This is pretty powerful when it just happens in everyday life. It wasn't a service. It wasn't a prayer meeting. It wasn't anything kind of that we would kind of define as a kind of healing crusade. It was just on the street corner. God shows up through these guys. Here we have this challenge that the disciples who became the apostles were the, were the participants and everyone else in the early church at this moment were the spectators filled with awe and wonder. It's kind of like going to a football match and watching people on the pitch and they're, they, oh, those are such great footballers. Yay. We cheer them on. But actually God's challenge to us is for us to be playing the game, not watching a few other people doing it. And I think you kind of push the tape forward by 2,000 years to where we are today. And we can read books about people who've done signs and wonders or or have experienced that. Or we can see parts of the world where great things are happening. We think, oh, we're filled with awe. We love to hear maybe even missionary stories of, of people who are seeing great things happen in wherever part of the world they are. But the challenge to us is actually God says, that's what the, that's the church is supposed to look like for us. You and me need to be seen signed and wonders following us. The early church, although it was seen it through the apostles, they hadn't come into their fullness yet. And I believe as we keep seeing the church grow, as they were discipled by the apostles, I believe what we see in Acts 2 in its infancy would have moved towards the fact of the church doing signs and wonders, not just the apostles. Why? Because that's what God's, was his heart. Now, to be participants 
I think, requires these three things that I think as I've read this and studied it, I, I, I think as we look at becoming and being uh, our prayer to be that New Testament church that God has called us to become, I think these three things that what the apostles had learnt, I think we need in order for us to live in this zone. And I'm speaking to myself just as much as I'm speaking to you. I, I'm not coming from a position of, guys, I'm seeing signs and wonders following my life every single day. What's happening to you guys? I'm not from that perspective. I'm from a perspective of, God, I want to see that. Because you said it. It'll happen if we believe and we trust in you and we're filled with your spirit. But the first thing that we see that the disciples did is they, they were discipled by Jesus. They, they, they were in the constant contact with Jesus. The word of God, the word of his spirit was spoken to their lives and it changes their perspective. And I think it's very difficult. We grew up in a, a world that tells us what is possible, right? We all have boundaries that we're told what's, what's logically possible, what's, you know, um, what you're capable of. But in God's kingdom, it, it changes slightly because it's no longer about you, but it's about what God can do through you. But I think in order for us to kind of move that forward, we'll never do anything that we personally don't believe or understand in our own heart. It's very difficult to go in the street corner to someone who's maybe lame and say, hey, do you know what? Rise up and walk. I believe Jesus wants to heal you today. If deep down you don't believe God wants to do that through you to bring that kingdom of God to that situation. And so we have to back up the tape a bit and what, what the early church didn't have is what we do have, which is the Gospels. We have this example of Jesus, and, and we, we, I think there's a value for us to really get into what does Jesus' ministry look like, because actually what Jesus' ministry looks like is actually what, for, for you and I, that's, we can walk in the same way. Not that we become little Jesuses in a sense of, you know, Jesus was the Son of God, but He's given us the same ability through the Spirit. And so we need to be discipled by Jesus. I think it's also important, you know, to, to look at, you know, where in the world God is doing great things, where miracles are happening, and learn from people that God is moving in this way from. I think the early church were, were able to grow in this because they, they had examples around them. And I, I think we need, um, I know there's great books, there's great conferences you can go to, but I think it's important that we disciple ourselves in truly what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is about bringing supernatural change in the here and now, in, in the environments that we live in right now. God wants to bring change. And he wants to use you and he wants to use me as the vessels in which that change happens. But it has to, it comes at this, this, um, this aspect of, of becoming like Jesus. And discipling is, is becoming like Jesus. And so, in the second part of this, be, being participants, is understanding the kingdom agenda. I do believe, as we see even in the Lord's Prayer, that God's desire is that earth would look a lot more like heaven. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We see this in the Lord's Prayer. Why? Because God's kingdom is different than this kingdom that we see in this world. In this world we see death, we see sickness, we see people with broken lives and broken hearts and all sorts of situations happening where people are are struggling. 
And God's kingdom agenda is for people to be set free, for lives to be restored, for people to be healed. That's his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. He, he's about bringing wholeness to people's lives in this com- completeness. He doesn't want to leave us just the way we are. He wants to bring change. And he wants to bring that change through our lives. And so it's understanding what the kingdom agenda is and where you fit in that. And I believe when Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, he taught them for a reason to pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe there's a purpose for that in, in conforming or being transformed by the renewing of our minds to the, the mind of Christ, of his, his thoughts, his plans, so that we would see something greater happen than what we've seen in our past. And the third, the third aspect is acting with courageous faith. I think to be like these guys and to just step out and do and pray or believe for the impossible takes a courageous faith. What's the challenge with doing this sort of thing? I think for all of us is the fear that nothing happens. Would you agree? Why don't we just do it? Well, it's because what if God doesn't answer our prayer? And so it's easier to not pray the prayer then sometimes that challenge of, well, what if God, we don't see an answer to that prayer? But I heard, there was a guy speaking, his name is Bill Johnson, and, and he, he shared that if we don't pray, if we never believe, then we're most likely to never see anything happen. Right? It's kind of like, if you, if you don't believe it, then you most likely won't see it. But what happens if we do believe and start to take steps of faith? Then we open the door for God to do something. And uh, his, what he challenges in many of his books, and, and God's done a lot of great things through his life, is that when he just has the thought to pray for someone, just the thought to, you know, you see someone and, and to believe for healing or restoration, he, he believes that that is enough to do it. Just the thought. Don't second guess the thought, just run with the thought. And uh, he says not everyone gets healed, not everyone gets delivered. It doesn't happen that way. But he says the more he's begun to walk in it, the more he's starting to see it happen. Even John Wimber, one of the great guys who started the um, Vineyard Church, he also, you know, he prayed for nonstop, not just for a month or two, but for at least a year, praying for people who were sick and not one person got healed. But he believed that God wanted to do something. That, that what we see even in the book of Acts was possible through everyday people. But he pressed in. He saw Jesus as the example and he just kept believing God's going to do it. And then he started to see people coming to a place of, of getting healed and restored. And suddenly everything shifted because really his heart was in line with the kingdom of God. And he acted with this courageous faith saying, God, I'm willing to believe for the impossible things. And if there's anything, if I can kind of end our series on, on this kind of note that could we be people that believe God for the impossible? Is God a small G or is he a capital G in our hearts? If the God who created the universe and, and everything that we know and see, if God is that big, can he not do great things today? Is it not just, is it not possible that in our time, in Kemptown, in this city, that we would see God do awesome things because he's moving, not just through someone else, but through us as participants. That we're in the game. That we're coming together. We're loving one another. We're 
we're supporting one another, but we're also seeing the miraculous happen because the Holy Spirit is working through our lives. I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's both and. I want to be part of a community that really cares for one another and loves and accepts everyone. I want, that's my heart for the church, but I also want to be a church that doesn't limit God to just this, but actually that through our lives, we would see him do great things. I think that God's able to do it. I'm convinced God is able to do it. And for me, the, 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 the call is to say, actually, you know what? I'm, I, I want to move past a spectator to being filled with awe of what God does over there to being a participant saying, God, I want to join the game. I want to be part of the match. I want to, I want to see your kingdom come through my life. In my circumstances, in the people around me that I affect, I want to see your kingdom come through me. Change my way of thinking in this world that I would see it from your perspective and not just accept the status quo that that's just how it is. You know what? I don't think that's just how it is. God has a better plan. And so even no matter what our circumstances that you would find yourself in today, do you know what? Can I just encourage you that God is greater? God wants to help each one of us and wants to move in our lives and our circumstances if we give him a chance. The early church saw tremendous growth and expansion through just a few people living out the kingdom of God in this way. The apostles. There was only a dozen of them. How many of us are in this room tonight? What if all of us moved in that level? Where God moves through our lives. These guys radically changed the world. I think the same could happen in our city, in our town. What would happen, my final question, what would happen if we took God at His word? We were filled with His Spirit. We believed for the impossible. I believe it would lead to us seeing God do something that we've never seen before. Make sense? Challenge you? It challenges me. I think in all of these four areas or five areas that we've looked at over the week are all areas I think that we can grow in. Love for God's Word, a connectedness to one another, a dedication to really be praying, a genuine concern for one another and, and caring for one another and breaking bread together. But then I think we can also grow in this area of seeing his power manifested through our lives. I believe that's something we can grow in as a church. And I can I just hopefully just raise the bar saying, can we just believe for God to do even greater things through us? Are you in agreement to some degree? You want to be part of that? Can I just close this in prayer? And uh, maybe we can sing a song. Is that all right? Lord, I thank you that you've got a big plan for us. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.